I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. You like to move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. You like to move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. You like to move Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to I Like to Movie Movie. My name is Dan Scully. I'm Stephen Richards. And one of these days, Stephen's going to do the introduction, because before every episode, ever since he's hosted, not today, I've asked him if he wanted to, and every time a little glow shows up in his eye that tells me he does want to, and then it's followed by a half smile that turns into a frown, (laughs) and then a, "Ah, I'm just going to let you do it today, buddy. So that's that's what I'm dealing with. So uh, listeners, you should reach out to us at Movie Movie Cast on all things with words of encouragement for Steven to let him know that he can do an introduction to this, and it's going to be a home run. I promise you that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, yeah, sure. Your enthusiasm um, level is concerningly low. <laughs> Either that or mine is yeah, I'm gonna be honest with you. <laughs> the movie was not very good. What? I did not like the movie. Oh, then we're gonna have some fun because I loved yeah. it. <laughs> but um okay. It was it was one of those things where it's like um it's nothing like I remembered it to be when I first saw it in 2006 or whatever it came out, 2008. When did it come out? Um, I believe 2008. But before we get into it, let's save it for yeah. when we get into the movie it thing. Was 2008. Uh, please remember, at Movie Movie Cast is where you can find everything that we do here on Movie Movie. If you're interested in our other show, Hot Property, a looser form show, on our next episode, we're interviewing ChatGPT. So you're definitely going to want to check that out at Hot mm. Property Pod on all of the things. And uh, we do have merch. If you check out tinyurl.com slash hot prop shop and we just have we have a new shirt where you can tell everyone that you're fucked up on cinedust fucked up on cinedust so uh before we get started uh have you have you seen anything good lately um no maybe i forgot you forget think about it i want to tell the last of us well i mean that's like Everybody's been watching The Last of Us, you know. I haven't seen that yet because I there's a piece of me that wants to like see even one second of the game before I watch the show, but I hear nothing but great things. I have not seen. Well, I mean, I've seen like clips on Facebook and uh, YouTube of the game, but not enough to where it's affecting my viewing of the show. Fair enough. I just I'm curious. Like to me, a lot of the interest I I guess would be about like how it matches tones, how it recreates certain images. Like, I rewatched Watchmen over the weekend, and, like, that's an interesting study in finding things that are cinematic about the comic book, as well as, like, marrying it to individual filmmaker style, the house style of comic book movies at the time. Like, the fun of that adaptation is part of the fun of watching the movie and now it retroactively reading the comic. And I feel like that's something I would enjoy with, with The Last of Us. Yeah. I mean, it's good. It's really good, no matter what. If you haven't played the game or if you haven't played the game, everyone I've talked to has said it's pretty good. And Pedro Pascal is, uh, you know, everyone's favorite dad. Dude, Double P is like, he yeah. is number one right now. He, and he I seems like his, a legitimately great dude. I watched his Hot Ones today and it was thoroughly enjoyable. 
I got to watch that. I got to catch up on that. He tweeted the other day, and this hit close to home. He was like, one of the benefits of leaving a Broadway show early is you might run into a celebrity at a bodega on the way home. And it was a picture of Pedro Pascal smiling with Monet Exchange, who is one of my favorite uh, drag queens from the RuPaul. uh, uh, What's the RuPaul roster? One of my friends. Very cool. One of my friends saw Jinx. Oh, Jinx Monsoon. Jinx Monsoon in Chicago on Broadway uh, yes. last week. Yeah, she plays the character that Queen Latifah played in yeah. the movie. That, And that's my only point of reference for Chicago. I would love to see that. Jinx is amazing. Absolutely. Unbelievable. I, she showed me so a couple funny. of clips and it's she's very enjoyable. She has a great Judy Garland. Yes, that's one of yeah. her like. But the thing about uh, Jinx Monsoon is like she's a good queen, but she's really good at drag race. Yeah. Like, you know, you like, I'm sure you get it. Like, there's probably contestants in Survivor where you're like, I don't I was, like this guy, saying, but yeah. he's he's he or she's good at Survivor. Yeah. You see Jinx and you're like, she knows how to play RuPaul's Drag Race. And like one Boston, of the best. Boston Rob Mariano is the <laughs> is the fucking the quintessential aspect of that where he's not the most athletic, but he's really good at playing Survivor. Nice. Well, Bobby um, Scott, the the Master Mariano, I was following Austin his, Rob. Just call Austin, Austin Rob. B Rob. I was following yeah. his Twitter, and he posted a tweet that said, "You know, one of the cool things about leaving uh, the set of Survivor is that sometimes you run into a celebrity on the way home." And it was him and Double P, Pedro Pascal. I made all that up. Yeah, I figured. Yeah. So uh, I do want to watch Last of Us. Craig Mazin, the guy who wrote it, he also wrote uh, Chernobyl. Yeah, I didn't see that one. Dude, I mean, jaw on the floor, phenomenal. You know and a lot of it has to do with Russians. the writing. Dude, well, if you hate Russians, you can watch a lot of them melt. All right, I'm in. Yeah, I mean, it's, but I yeah. mean, it's beyond, beyond joking concerns. It was, uh, it's, it's really good, but I mean, it's a tough watch. Is it beyond meat? It's like, I mean, it is. I need to get out of my hot property mindset and actually start feels, talking. No, keep non- the hot property. We got to stop talking nonsense. <laughs> if you listen to to movie movie 1.0, there's plenty of this. But all right, oh, I'll sure. move it along. Uh, I watched a movie that, based on the title alone, I thought was a completely different movie. And then when I read what the it whale. actually is. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was going to be a Free Willy style thing. Wait a minute. <laughs> Big fan of Orca. What happened with the whale? Well, I was waiting for Blackfish like to show up the whole time, but it was Brendan Fraser eating KFC. Dude, if Blackfish showed up during the whale, that would be like the most depressing movie ever because each of those on their own is like some oh, yeah. pretty heavy shit. Um, but anyway, so I, I, you've probably heard the title Play Misty for me. Nope. Okay, well, it's a classic old movie. It is Clint Eastwood's directorial debut. And I thought that it was, uh, yeah, I, although it's kind of understood that some of his spaghetti westerns, he uh, he uh, uh, helped with the directing a little bit. But uh, who knows? But Play Misty for me is a stalker drama slash kind of horror movie where Clint Eastwood is, he's a radio DJ who gets stalked by an obsessed fan uh, played by Jessica Walter, a.k.a. Lucille Bluth from Arrested Development. And mm. um, she was a voice on Archer. And just an unbelievably talented actress. Recently departed R.I.P. And her doing a crazy stalker character. 
Dude, this movie's wild. It's got like chill hangout vibes to it, but it's menacing throughout. And it's on Netflix right now. So if anybody has not seen Play Misty for me and thought like I did that the title just meant it was some kind of, you know, romance or something, I assure you that it is a fantastic thriller and uh, really not like any other movie I've seen. But what's cool about it is there's a line in it that I recognized. And I said, why do I know this clip? Why does it look familiar? And then it occurred to me that clip was played in the movie The Cable Guy. And The Cable Guy is a stalker horror comedy kind of movie. So it was a very knowing pull. Yeah, it is. The Cable Guy is a fantastic movie, a movie that was initially misunderstood but has now become beloved, that was directed by one Ben Stiller, who is the man behind the movie that we are talking today. The TiVo Guy. The TV. It's a movie about transitions. It's a movie about getting into the. No. Uh, we're talking about the 2008 war comedy satire, uh, Tropic Thunder. Yeah. This was your choice. Tell us why it was your choice. Well, hang on. First, I got to say, Play Misty Cormier is also the second chapter of volume one of the Electric Tale of Pikachu on the Pokemon series. I just did such heavy lifting to get that transition going. <laughs> I got us from Play Misty for me. It didn't even occur to me that I was talking uh, that I was going to get to the cable guy point. And then when that all connected in my head, I couldn't have been more proud. And then I got us here. I kicked us off. I asked the first question of the podcast. And then you took a giant brick and smashed the transition. <laughs> And like and, the train and asked about Pokemon. You threw the train, the train was off speeding the cliff. away <laughs> without a conductor, and you you were in the like six cars back climbing <laughs> hand hand by hand, grip by grip, up to the front, only to find me there. Um, and I just derailed it completely. I mean, but I guess now we know yeah. that there might be some sort of reference to play Misty for me beyond the chapter title in fucking Pokemon. So thank you. You're welcome. Um so <laughs> The reason that I picked this movie <laughs> was twofold. One, um, you, you know, movie movie podcast doesn't really do a lot of comedies. And I, I think that and you can correct me if I'm wrong. You're very picky about your comedies. I'm very picky about comedies. And also comedies are hard to talk about because yeah. unless they're aspiring to something higher, the deepest you can get into it is was it funny or not? Yeah. And um, but I am particular. Like, what's weird is I find everything funny, but for some reason I'm just like when I sit down to watch a movie, um. And this I don't mean this to be dismissive, but comedies aren't really ever aspiring to do something interesting with cinema as it How were. How dismissive? I think it's dismissive though because I know there's a million exceptions, and I think that when comedy does it, it does it really, really well, and yeah. um. But it's a tough, it's a it's a tough thing, and so it's just always a gamble when you're doing a podcast to go. Let's watch this movie, and then we'll talk about it for an hour and a half, and then you get to the end, you go, "Oh man, funny movie." Yeah, you know, well, we had, <laughs> it's the second reason is, and this is what I pitched to Dan. So recently, Ben Stiller came out in in this culture of, um, you know, revisiting sensitive art pieces of the past decade or so. Ben Stiller came out and said, I am not apologizing for Tropic Thunder. I think it was hilarious and I don't care what anybody says. And I'm, 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 you know, being hyperbolic about what he actually said, but he did say, I'm not sorry for any of it. I think it was great. So um, I, 
And I my, so my question oh, yeah. I posited to Dan for this episode was, we should revisit it now, you know, 14, 15 years later and see if, see how we feel about it. And if yeah. maybe Ben Stiller might maybe a little off his rocker on this one, to which I say, maybe. <laughs> you know, it's crazy, man. I am. We're going to have some fun because I am so in, in the camp of just like, hell yeah, Ben Stiller. Do not apologize for this shit. So we'll get into it, but one of the things that I think is uh is interesting about this is that the, it all stemmed from somebody tweeted, and I don't know who it was, and I don't feel like mentioning anybody because who knows if they're like some jack off or just some guy. But uh, he tweeted guy, at the Twitter name Jack Off guy said, <laughs> "Yeah." And so, what's interesting about this is this guy. It appears that he has tweeted a photo of a Facebook status of his own. So okay. the Facebook status of his own is: I noticed on Twitter how liberals have been trying to, quote, cancel culture the movie Tropic Thunder, uh, which is a very interesting way to phrase that. Now, people like Ben Stiller are actually apologizing. For what? It's a classic movie. Funny AF. Of you haven't seen it, it's a satirical movie, and Robert Downey Jr. plays an Australian method actor who undergoes, air quotes, pigmentation alteration to play a black guy in a movie. Four smiling emoji faces. When the Wayan, singular, when the Wayan brothers made white chicks, dot, 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 nobody said a dang thing. So this this guy sounds like he's kind of the worst. Yeah. All, all caps. Stop apologizing for this stuff. A small minority of people get up in arms about simple stuff, and all of a sudden they're trying to make people apologize for it. If you do it, they win. It now gives them more power to keep doing it. Don't even get, oh, a uh, hand covering face emoji. Don't even get me started on the Tiger Woods BS and then the red face emoji with uh, like Tasmanian devil font over his mouth. What's the Tiger Woods BS? I have no clue. And honestly, I don't even want to know. Yeah. So he, he tweeted a photo of this status at Ben Stiller and says, Ben Stiller, please stop apologizing for doing the movie. It was and still is funny AF, even funnier now with cancel culture the way it is. It's a all caps movie. Y'all can't y'all can just get over it. I was dying laughing when I saw it back in the day, and so was everyone else. And Ben Stiller responded to it and said, I make no apologies for Tropic Thunder. Don't know who told you that. It's always been a controversial movie since when we opened. Proud of it and the work everyone did on it. Prayer emoji, fist emoji, smiley emoji from Ben oh Stiller. My God. So that's what kicked off every, you know, uh, headline being just a regurgitation of what I just said. Yeah. I, and I will say that the guy, uh, this guy who tweeted it, like, definitely looks like a uh, older dude. Oh, yeah, he's a Second Amendment activist. He does appear to be black. Yeah, it, but he just seems like a certain character type, obviously trying to drum up attention and getting it. Which yeah. is why I'm not going to say his name, because I don't know if he's what he is. Reverend Al Sharpton. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, wasn't, it wasn't Reverend Al. I'd feel okay mentioning him, because that's that's his... Yeah. You know, he's a public figure. I don't, I've never heard of this guy, but he seems like an older gentleman. It seems like he is trying to do, like, current woke. Yeah, everyone's cancel culture, which is annoying. Um, all right, so I will say this to start off the the process here. Let me just list some of the problems I had with the movie. <laughs> okay. Number one, um, I did not want to watch it on the plane home. 
because I was worried that someone would take a photo of me watching it and that I would really? be internet famous. Yes. That that disappoints me. Yeah, but I, you know me, I overthink a lot, like a lot, a lot. No, and no, so it, it was it probably unwarranted. Me about you. It disappoints me that that's a thought that anyone can even have because, yeah, that is a, a thought that you never know. Well, my biggest fear Which is, is so like, weird. to be to become a meme or like something on the internet, even if it's only like the 15 minute news cycle that we have, I just want to avoid it as much as I can. Um, and, and it's a smart play. It really yeah. is a smart play because, you know, even this, an exchange between a guy that I've never heard of and, you know, Ben Stiller, even like the fact that this has produced multiple headlines and it's like a nothing thing at all. It barely yeah. exists. I think speaks to what you're saying. It's like, yeah, it sucks. Like, you never know if you're going to be memed for something as dumb as watching a movie. Um, the other thing that I had to look up, the guy who plays Al Pacino. Yeah. Um, has been in basically nothing since or before this. Brandon T. Jackson. And that's uh, a disappointment for me. Big Mama's House 3? Mama's oh, yeah, that, I did not. I, I that movie. I passed on that one, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I've, I have not seen any of the Big Mama's houses. To tell you the truth, um, he was in Percy Jackson, also the failed Greek god myth uh, series. There, I have absolutely no clue what any of those movies are about. Um, and then so like the big ticket item here is the the Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. But let's hear your list. That you said you had a list ready. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously um, they drop a hard R a lot, um, and oh, was... you know, it's I thought you were, I honestly thought you were talking about the N word for a second, and I was like, I think you watched a completely different movie. No. I, well, I bought I bought a copy from a guy on Broad Street that was selling bootlegs, and I was like, Hey, do you have Tropic <laughs> Thunder? And he was like, Yeah, I got it right here, and it was. And uh, I watched it. It starred that guy that I bought yeah, it from. It starred the guy. <laughs> Um, yeah, they do, and um, I have thoughts on that because it is. Uh, but I mean, finish your list. I don't want to. We can go through them and it's like you. I don't know the the RDJ blackface blackface <laughs> stuff is not justified enough in the in the comedic realm for me to say. All right, this is okay. <laughs> all right, well, well, we're gonna have to get into it because I do disagree. Yeah. But um, all right. Let's start. Let's start at the beginning because I think that's the most compelling one to me, is the the hard R's. Yeah. Because here's the thing. That was the sensitive term, initially. Because the definite like, ugh, I'm so we're gonna, be, we're gonna be playing on some dangerous ground this whole episode, man. Choose your words carefully. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the thing. So here's the thing. To retard something is to uh, have it have, it's just a... Limitations, a, like flame retardant. Yes, limit. that's all it is, is limitation. It's a very yeah. broad term. And so that became the sensitive term to, and I don't even know what the previous, I think like idiot was a term for a while. Like really just like... Don you know, donkey brand. Donkey brain, if to, <laughs> to borrow parlance from a favorite television show. And so this was the sensitive term. And so then a bunch, you know, then then it became a thing for people to call each other a hard R or say you yeah. are hard arted. And so as such, it became a uh, it, it became, a, you know, I guess it, the, the term people would use is slur. I feel like that's such a strong word to throw around, as is the hard R. 
but I've never once in my life seen a single person use that at someone who is mentally disabled in some way. Yeah. I've never seen it used the way that like an N-word or the F-slur for homosexuals, I've seen that thrown at people who are the victims of those slurs in real life multiple times. Yeah. And it's always shocking. It's very clear why that why they are slurs. I have a hard time getting there this with this one because I don't I've I've never seen it used except to call a a high functioning person dumb. And even though that's insensitive, I've just never seen it used like uh now with the argument for indirect hurt, I will just remit this movie is 2008. That was before we decided this was a slur. Yeah. And so I think while it might be hard to watch, I don't find any hate or harm in it. I might say to somebody nowadays, ah, maybe you know this might there might I I might offer a content warning, you know. Yeah. But I think in the context of the movie, it works. It also, I think it's like real fucking funny because what they're talking about in terms of like Forrest Gump being high functioning and I am Sam being low functioning is is really clever because it's a true thing that that was real at the Oscars. And I do I do think that there is context for them to be using this word even in. Because what they do is they build a really good world of these actors who are just so fucking removed from society, yeah, and like removed from the common person. And ironically, they, that a movie that has Tom Cruise in it, yeah, and like they they utilize knowledge and information and skills only from what they've learned in past roles, yeah. And so having them talk about the level of a hard R that you need to be to win an Oscar is in context of that. This is all they know. Like, yeah. This is literally everything they do. And they don't know much else because there's even like a small scene where they talk about like relationships and RDJ's character says something like when you're on the road, 280 days a year, uh, it's hard to find a, you know, a woman that'll, that'll stick around with you for that long mm-hmm. in a serious way. Yeah, it's so, like the fact that they're just like so in their own worlds and so wrapped up in just this vanity. It does give context for just having that insensitivity of using a hard R mm-hmm. in in describing how to be acting, which I think is ironic and and in a way, yes, that's funny. But it was wildly uncomfortable to watch. <laughs> so that's, that's that's where I think the 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 there's our fundamental differences about anything we disagree in this movie are going to boil down to is that like kind of agree on everything and i admit it's hard to hear yeah it's hard to hear but at the same time that's my modern sensibilities trying to judge something of the past of 15 years ago by today and so it's it's easy for me to get past based on their intentions while i think it is admittedly hard to hear which is why i think some people would go i don't want to hear it to which i say i think you don't you don't need to watch this one yeah plug ears well not even plug ears like you don't have to watch the movie i'm not not forcing it well so my and the reason that I came in hot, I was like, I didn't like this movie. I did. I thought it's it was so cl- funny. I thought a lot of it was clever. I thought a lot of it was well written. It's I one thought, of Jack Black's most insane. It's Jack Black's physical humor in this movie might it's be some of his best work. Yeah, he makes his face do do things that I don't think anybody else on this planet can do. Like his eyebrows <laughs> go full tri like Bermuda Triangle on his face. And his like teeth come out and are gnashing. 
He's like, I just need some heroin. <laughs> like he goes like he is for me probably one of the best parts of the movie. Bes- besides the uh rivalry of McConaughey and Cruz trying to get TiVo shipped out to <laughs> Vietnam for Ben Stiller. That that to me was my also, most invested storyline. <laughs> McConaughey trying to decide whether he wants to save his friend <laughs> to get him a TiVo or potentially get a G5 aircraft yeah. for himself. And he really thinks about it. it yeah. See, that's the thing. I think that's what makes this movie work so well for me is they are everything is is purposefully goofy, but there's actually like craft underneath it. Like Jack Black plays a very funny Jack Black character. He also plays a believable drug addict. Yeah. He's a very believable drug addict. There's something real there. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. plays a guy who is a baffling idiot. But he also plays a guy who is a brilliant actor. And he he does make Kirk Lazarus feel like a real, actual good actor, even though it's all in service of, you know, beyond the pale silliness. My favorite line that just shows um, Jack Black's character's expertise in heroin is when he shoves the heroin in the two guards' faces, and then he's like, we gotta get out of here. They're gonna wake up in about 16 hours. <laughs> Perfect. Been down that road before. Yeah. He's, uh, but, he's okay, but so close. like my my overall. So I gotta let me rescind what I said earlier. I didn't hate the movie, but my overall like um, reaction to it was definitely more in the oh my dear god <laughs> camp, and not so much the haha I'm laughing because it's funny. It's like it's like this movie should be called just like shock humor. Like that's that's all it is, and I, I like that to an extent, but it, like. After, like I said, after a while, this was cringy a little bit, and I was like, ah. See, I think it has shock elements, but again, I remit to, like, I think it's a good movie. Like, there's there's a couple really good arcs throughout this movie, even yeah. though they're all done. So, so like, here, yes. I, I think it's a smarter movie than you're giving it credit for. I think it's meant to be shocking. I think that it's supposed to be provocative, as it was at the time, which I, I think it's worth pointing out, the, uh, the inner, the, uh, exchange between ben stiller and that guy um the guy did dig up a tweet from when the movie came out and uh ben stiller did apologize for the way that simple jack was depicted but made it clear that he's still very proud of the movie and that the intentions were to uh uh show the depraved lengths that an actor's willing to go through for a role so like he did actually apologize at some point yeah, well, I mean, also like he, the, he didn't have to apologize for the blackface because it was hidden behind the fact that Robert Downey Jr. was nominated for an Oscar for using blackface <laughs> like but that. That I think, and I I thought at the time, and I still think to this day, that I think is just one more shit stain on the boxers that are the Academy Awards. I think that he, if not for Heath Ledger being there, deserved to win the Oscar for this. Yeah. I mean, like, I think it, no, 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 I disagree. I think Heath Ledger should have won the Oscar. No, I think way. so. Too. I, I think, I think Heath Ledger deserved the Oscar, but I, I truly believe that Robert Downey Jr. also I deserved the Oscar. He was even nominated with the caveat that I don't particularly care for the Oscars in any sort of as any sort of yeah. tastemaker. The but... Oscars are not like in my in our minds. I'll speak for both of us on this one. They are not the high water mark for achievement in film in any given year. They are just the the self-filating bullshit that Hollywood does once once a year in March. 
That said, sometimes they get it right. And in nominating Robert Downey Jr. for this, I would say that they did. But that's me. I disagree. <laughs> disagree. But here's the thing about about the uh, the Robert Downey Jr. blackface thing. And not to be two white guys on a podcast talking blackface, but I found in my life that this seems to be something that only bothers my white friends. This seems to be a largely white concern, the blackface of Robert Downey Jr. in this movie. Sure, and now, granted, there's exceptions to every rule, but I've seen so many cases where, like, it, it it's just, it's like a white people concern. I, I know plenty of black people who just love this movie, and, like, Robert Downey Jr. is part of what they love about it. Now, I'm not anybody to make a call, but it's 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 notable how the numbers are strongly favored in that direction in my life. Yeah, I mean, even Jamie Foxx did come out when it was released and said, yeah, I talked to Robert Downey Jr. about this before he did anything. And he was like, most people will find this funny. Oh, yeah. It is. Um, For me, I just felt like maybe you're right. Maybe it's my white guilt, but I just felt wildly uncomfortable in most of most scenarios. Like there was one time there was one specific line that I wrote down because I texted my buddy Joe about it. And I was like, dude, RDJ just just dropped the line. Alpa and I are already wearing nature's natural night camouflage. And I was like, what the fuck, dude? (laughs) That's so funny. Like, that's that's such a well-written line, but like, oh my fucking God. Yeah, I think that's, this is another case, though. The discomfort from this movie, I don't think actually comes from a place of people being like, you know, oh, this is a harmful thing. It's the same as the hard R's we previously talked about, where it's just like, oh, damn like i didn't it's it's provocative it's shocking but it's it's a discomfort thing i think more than a harm thing well it's almost like like if it's if comedy and and we're supposed to be uncomfortable you know like yeah like like i was about to say if comedy and horror are kind of like step siblings um like horror finds a way to push the gore element or the thriller element as much as they can and i think comedy in some ways does the same thing especially in this film where it's like what can we get away with yeah what can how can we make the audience feel guilt almost guilty for laughing i would say while while doing some well-written things and i think that the question that it's asking is and to what lengths to what depths will these people go to in the name of their hollywood egos yeah so I, like so for me, I think that that's a level of provocativeness that that matches the strength of the satire, and you would you would disagree, I'm assuming. I mean, I like, like logistically and artistically. <laughs> I don't yes, know if those two things are compatible. I would agree. <laughs> um, marketably, probably not. Yeah. So it makes you uncomfortable to hear. Yeah. Because that's the thing. I hate the idea of people are like, you couldn't make this movie today. It's like, I don't know. We're 16 seasons deep into Always Sunny. And I've seen them do absolute depravity on 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 broadcast television. So, like, I think you can make something. Uh, you could make Tropic Thunder today. I think people would bitch about it. But, you know, also people would love it. I don't know. You told me you could make press. this today. You get a lot of press. You get a lot of pushback. And you get a lot of people like it's a really the same thing. Th- that fucking like... that uh Harry Potter game is one of the best selling games of the decade. 
and it it's got, got huge controversy around it. Yeah. Huge controversial, yeah. And like, but like, I I saw a YouTube video that was like, I think it's mostly the Brits buying up all these copies because they don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> We're independent from them now. We don't listen yeah. to them. We get mad. We get indignant. It's what we do. But um, yeah, I feel like uh, I, that's the thing is any beef that someone has with Tropic Thunder. I'm perfectly willing to entertain because like, yeah, it's, it's meant to make you uncomfortable, you know, like it is what it is. But I, um, yeah, I will say that like the opening, even before the, when I hit play on my Amazon prime app, they, there was no like production company logos. It just went right into Al Pacino's commercial for booty sweat. And I love that pussy. that's, and, um, that's something right. that's frequently quoted in my household. Uh, Jenna, she loves Tropic Thunder. So, like in our now, you know, many years together, uh, very frequently we will use the phrase "pop an ass open." (laughs) That comes up in my house a lot. Fucking, I I put it on right as Joe is leaving for work, and that's the last thing he heard as he walked out the door was (laughs) "pop an ass open." Al Pacino, I think, is such a brilliant character. He's 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 the and then he gets mad like a, when yeah. he gets mad when the the drug dealers confuse him for the real Al Pacino. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of the best bits. <laughs> but I love the guys listing Al Pacino movies, and Danny McBride is in the little prison cell, and he's listing different Al Pacino yep. movies back, <laughs> and he mentions like the sea inside, and like all he mentions these weird ones, all those deep cuts, all those deep cuts. Uh, oh no, this... sea of sea of love. Sorry, the sea inside is Javier Bardem. I will say uh, the the note that I have down here is that. Danny McBride's character is probably one of the best characters in all the history of film. He's so funny. And he's got to keep a low profile because he almost blinded Jamie Lee Curtis on the set of Freaky Friday. And he also <laughs> almost killed somebody on the set. Uh, oh, he lost a finger on the set of Driving Miss Daisy. Also, <laughs> his finger. But also, like, th- those tiny details. And also, did you notice the fact that, like, his right ear is quarterized shut? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because of a, like, I'm assuming they never go into it, but I'm assuming another one of his stunts went wrong. He's just fucked up. He's just yeah. a hardcore, hardcore stunt guy. This guy's um, nuts. Yeah. Also, he's this, so is, f- this is the this is the second out of I think five. We've done five episodes now together, right? Of movie, movie. Yeah, I think so. This is the second Nick Nolte film that we've done. Oh, it is, isn't it? Yeah. He was mm-hmm. he was four lead for three whatever his name was. Yeah, uh, f- uh, false valor or whatever they call it. What the fuck? Uh, stolen he, valor. No, but what is his yeah, name? Yeah, stolen valor because he because he lied about leaf. the whole thing. Yeah, yeah four leaf. <laughs> I love at the end when Kirk Lazarus uh runs into him and gets legitimately scared because he has hands. <laughs> yeah, he's like, "What the fuck? You got hands? You got hands?" He's like, "Oh yeah, I lied about the whole thing." And he's like, still transitioning from his like. Uh, his, his dude's his black voice into his Australian, his natural Australian accent. See, that's that's what I, you know, you can take issues with what Robert Downey Jr.'s performance is, but there is no denying that he put hundred and fifty percent into this oh, yeah. and made it made a patently ridiculous, wholly just awful man into a fully fleshed character doing nothing but gags. That's that's impressive to me because. My pickiness with comedies comes from the fact that it's very easy to make a successful but not very clever comedy. 
Yeah. But every once in a while, a comedy has craft tied to it. A lot of this just stuff works. is I very clever. I think this is here. Yeah, I think the craft is here. I forgot whether that my favorite... not... Go ahead. Uh, well, whether it earns its right to do this material or not, I think is up. You know, it's it's in the eye of the beholder. But like, I think that the craft, the intention, and the and the like, the general care put forth into trying to play with these fucked up ideas is all on point here. But that's just me. I agree. I just don't. I don't particularly feel comfortable watching the end product for the most part. It hurts to hear sometimes. Yeah. It hurts but to like, hear. The one the one hard end that's dropped from Al Pacino to Kirk Lazarus, and then when Kirk Lazarus starts reciting verbatim the <laughs> Jefferson's theme song, I forgot how much and originally in the theater I cracked up at the line when he says, Man, that's just the Jefferson's theme song. And then Kirk Lazarus says, just because theme song doesn't mean it's not true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's like <laughs> And so I remember, like he's like, utterly quoting depraved. That this dude is a terrible it. man. Yeah, when I first came out, I would quote that to everyone in out of context, in context, just because the song doesn't mean it's not true. And what's funny about it is, like, it's it shows how absolutely depraved he is as a person. It shows how completely self-absorbed he is as a person. But yeah. at the same time, you know what else is really, really cool about the Jefferson's theme song? It's really good and it's moving and the lyrics actually mean something. Yeah. And as an actor, he's right to have latched on to that idea in this what he sees as a scene, but can't see that he is being scolded for being a white man trying to be, you know, his whole relationship with Al Pacino, I think, is so funny. And then but in yeah, that scene there's, specifically. There's one I know we we're on the gun here, but there's well, one. Years, then we'll, we'll break. There's one scene where they're like scouting out the camp or whatever. And he's like, um, he's like, I think you're really confused. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm confused. And then he's like, but are we cool? And then Al Pacino's like, not really. And then they just cut. <laughs> <laughs> they just cut to something else. <laughs> I think he's essential, but we'll get yeah. more into it after the break. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to count down our top five favorite uh, weird celebrity cameos. BRB. I got more than five, but yeah, let's do it. That works. All right. Hey everybody, it's me, Dan. I, uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if the ads on the podcast are actually working because I don't think we have enough listeners to be able to activate ads. Now, this is partially my fault because of the time that I took off from doing Movie Movie, but that doesn't mean I can't record an ad for the podcast itself, which is what you are listening to right now. So, Make sure you follow I Like to Movie Movie at Movie Movie Cast on all of the things. Please subscribe. Please tell your friends. It would be very helpful if you could subscribe specifically on Spotify. That really beefs up the numbers. If you heard a little bell jingling, that's my cat's collar because she came running over because she can't let me record a fucking commercial in peace. Hi, Doris. Hi, Stinky. But uh, please do all of that and check out our other show, Hot Property, at Hot Property Pod on all of the things. So uh, thank you so much for listening, and we'll get you back to the show. We are part of the Hot Property Podcast Network. Peace. And we're fucking back. Nailed it. Great work. Thanks for coming back. Join us at I Like to Movie Movie. At Movie Movie Part two. On all things. Part two. Tropic Thunder. I, I made under two return. What was the scorcher for? 
who left <laughs> who left the fridge open. This shit's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but that leads me. I made a note before we left. I think this movie, um, whereas I I think it has a pretty strong satire to it. I think it lives and dies by the little details. Yeah. There's the little details like Danny McBride's injuries, like uh. I can't come up with another example. Al Pacino, but... like not like using his persona to better his community, which he talks about multiple times. Oh while, yeah, yeah. While being yelled at by the fake as fuck actors for not being genuine. Yeah, he even has that line. Thing. Yeah, where uh, Viet Cong's and he's like, it's just Viet Cong. You wouldn't say Chinese's. Yeah, it's like one of those. Yeah, he's like, he's the most conscious of all of them, despite well, except for um. Jay Baruchel's character, who knows literally everything about movies, but also is not respected by the quote-unquote veteran actors who are just falling apart around them. Well, he's the only one that read the manual. He's the only one that went yeah. to basic training to prepare. He's the only one that knows anything, except uh, I feel like Tug Speedman has some sort of... Uh, he he wants to go there for it, I, although he is more egocentric. Yeah, Jay Baruchel's more for the, for the movie, yeah. But, but yeah, he bit, loves bit, film. Is the is the point? And the bit that they always call him by the wrong name until the very end, yeah, is, is hilarious as well. And that's classic old <laughs> shtick. I mean, every move, like uh, Rookie of the Year, did that. Remember the one coach yeah. always called Henry Rowan Gardner Garden Hoser or something like that. Yeah, and he finally got it right. Did he just say my name? Old shtick, but repurposed in a, I mean, not any more contemporary, but at the time, contemporary uh, comedy. Yeah, the fact that this movie came out 15 years ago blows my fucking mind. It's it's absolutely insane. Um, what was Bill Hader doing with his voice the entire time? Was something I wrote down. I would imagine that there's probably some real world analog that some yeah. deep cut Hollywood reference that I don't that I don't get that we don't get that talked like that, and so Bill Hader got that idea because he's always talking like this in a normal cadence. He's got like this, like he's. I, I can't do it. Bill Hader is such yeah. a unique, a unique uh, way of speaking. But yeah, it has this weird, like. But again, it sounds like he's putting something on, but it's not so gaudy as to not be realistic. Yeah. And I think that's a line that everybody walks. Like it's ridiculous that Les Grossman has giant hands, but it's they're I not. Think that is so funny. It's <laughs> so funny, and that. But they're not freakishly large, like no. the Get Back music video. They're or the Everlong music video. They're just large enough that it's like it, someone could feasibly have those large hands. But also, you look forearms. at it, you're like, that guy's hands are insane. Yeah, and my favorite, my favorite line of his of many is uh, when he's on the phone with the flaming dragon. He's like, "All right, first of all, take a step back." And literally fuck your own face. <laughs> he's so unhinged when he says it yeah. too. It's he's a legit scary character. Oh yeah. And I imagine there's probably you know a, a producer out there who saw that and was like, oh man, I really do scream too much. Although my they, hands are smaller than his. And they film him almost in the exact way they film him in any intense scene in Mission Impossible, like the three quarter uh, yeah. close up that's tilted slightly. The light from underneath the chin, so it, yep. like, it looks more menacing. I'm like, this is like if you took off all the makeup, this is a this is an exact screenshot from Mission Impossible One. It's honestly like I know Tom Cruise is not the biggest guy. This is the biggest and most imposing he has ever looked. Oh yeah, even though he's like tough in other movies, like he's tough in the Jack Reacher movies. But like watching, like 
I'm not as afraid of Jack Reacher as I am of Lex Grossman in a a physical sense, even like the divorce of all the character. He just seems big in this. Maybe it's the hands. Also just the voice. Wake up. Oh, God damn you. God damn you. God damn you. Sorry. I know it's a long day. Um, even (laughs) just his like, what? Right after we both did that, we both had a moment in the camera where it was just like, oh man, life is life is an old man. Can't wait for bed. Um, Time is a bitch. (laughs) No, there's like I think just his like the way that he's written and the way that he because I I think that I saw I forget where I saw this but like his his idea to be in uh makeup and have the big hands. Yeah, and and dance. That was all his idea. And Ben was like, "I don't know if this is gonna work." Yeah, and he show he like Tom showed up to like to a casting call or something like that. I don't think probably not, but well, they're they're, like, they're friends, he showed I up think. to he showed up to Ben's office in in makeup in costume, and Ben was like, "All right, yeah, this is hilarious. Let's do it." <laughs> nice. I he's I I gotta say, there's a lot of baggage that comes with being a Tom Cruise fan, but um, yeah. But he's like a Kirk Lazarus in that you go, man, this this guy is not good. But like he he knows exactly how to do what he's best at, and he is operating at an extremely high level. Oh, and like especially him. And I hate that there's so much value to me in that. But like, if Tom Cruise is is in a movie, especially an action movie, like he, like you you can't miss that, even though you could be blamed for totally missing that. I would describe as that level for Tom Cruise explicitly. It is high octane. It's it's high octane. High high octane. Yeah. He's doing the do. And, um, you know, I mean, he's nominated for an Oscar this year too. I mean, is he nominated? I know Maverick's nominated. Yeah. He's a producer on Maverick. Oh, he's a producer. Okay. I thought an acting thing. Although, uh, you know, though, I will say this. I don't think that, Top Gun Maverick is the type of movie that would ever win Best Picture, and frankly, I've got my 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 hat in the ring for either Everything Ever All at Once or Tar because I thought they were both just like beyond incredible. I'm going for Feather. Touche. Tar and Feather. <laughs> Don't make me yawn again. And no, um, get get it. Oh, I get it. Oh, I got it. But uh, speaking of feathers, I want to move to Goose. <laughs> Uh, if, if Top Gun were to win Best Picture, it would be fucking awesome. I would, I would say that the Oscars regain some legitimacy points, for right? Me. Like yeah. that's the thing. Like if it won, even though it's like totally not the thing, if Top Gun Maverick wins, I'd be like, you know what, the Oscars sometimes they are right. Yeah, because in my, I haven't seen Everything Everywhere. I haven't seen most of the other nominees, but I'll tell you this. Top Gun Maverick was the best movie of the year. <laughs> it's the tits. Hey, I don't. Once I saw that back in June, I was like, I don't need to see anything else for the rest of the year. <laughs> this is it. We did it, guys. Everything else is cherries on top of the yeah. gun Sunday. Yeah, I, but there is a strong case to the idea that like it is the perfect style of movie to like win an award like that because it would be like this is the movie that after quarantine, after a time where we couldn't go yeah. to movies and we're hesitant to get back to movies, this dude put asses in seats with a movie that nobody hated and furthermore everyone loved. Even people that like didn't give a shit or like actively hated Top Gun. I don't particularly care for Top Gun. They were like, "Wow, that yeah, was good." Yeah. It's and it's... But I will say this: if if Top Gun and this is not going to happen, if Top <laughs> Gun 
wins best picture. Um, all the producers and cast and crew and stars of everything everywhere all at once are going to be so pissed off. I know they, it's like it's they're just a shoe in. Although they do a uh, ranked choice uh, ballots. Yeah. For the, as I understand it, which like there is a real chance that because of that um everything ever all at once could shuffle to the middle by being like a lot of people's number two you know like that's what i'm hoping like we like i would love to see a montage that will never be aired because it's all private stuff but like just a montage of everybody who gets a vote just thinking you know what you know what top gun was pretty good and like that's pretty it, good or like you know what I'll just, i don't care as a joke i'll just put it as number one and then all those little jokes and all those little moments add up and before we know it, Tom is on stage accepting his award for best. Yeah. Although the last person in that montage should be Tom Cruise, and he's voting for everything, everywhere, all at once. No, he writes in cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he votes for everything, everywhere, all at once, and then he skips every other category, and he goes yeah. down to Lady Gaga and votes for her song. <laughs> yeah. For, uh, dude, you Where's would actually, I... you would love everything, everywhere, all at once. It's it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. I know, it's on my list. Yeah, I think you would very much enjoy it. Um, apparently Lady Gaga is not going to be performing that song because she's too busy filming The Joker 2. I mean, I love The Joker, so I'm into it, although I, I love that song too. I love that song, though. It's and so she, good. she always kills it at the Oscars, so I'm a little upset that she won't be performing. I bet she comes. I bet what's going to happen is The Rocketeer is going to fly in and then land, and everyone's like, The Rocketeer, that movie's from like 1992. And then pulls off the helmet and lets her hair down, and it's Lady Gaga, and then she just starts singing the song. Well, the reason, actually, the real reason that she's not performing is because um, she's not allowed to perform because that song slaps. No, oh, it does. Amazing. Oh my and god. Oscar said I couldn't love you more than I do Oscar right now. That said, was no amazing. more. No more slapping at my at my events. Oh, <laughs> uh, aces. Fantastic I wonder joke. I wonder how many like how long is Kimmel gonna wait before bringing that up this year? Like, I wonder. Like three seconds. I was gonna say maybe even two. Yeah. He's gonna walk out and just be like, Welcome to the slap, the Oscars. Okay, that was it. He's gonna walk out and be like, Hope nobody slaps me. Welcome yeah. to the Oscars. Uh-oh. <laughs> Now, you know what'll probably happen is they'll probably be like, I have no reason to, you know, I, no one's going to slap me. I have no reason to be slapped. And then they'll tie it into some boring sketch where uh, they make a dated joke involving Liam Neeson hunting him down to do a slap on stage. What if he comes out in blackface? And he's like, I'm Will Smith. <laughs> like, well, well, oh, now, man. I think I Tropic, Tropic Thunder is safe. Tropic Thunder could be made today, apparently. <laughs> Thanks, Jimmy. <laughs> Thanks, Jimmy. I uh back in the day I worked very hard. I used to before before phones were like you never have to plug them into your computer. Like back when I got my first iPhone, you have to plug it into the computer to like yeah. update it and stuff. You couldn't just update it there. And so there was a way that you could take MP3s of songs and turn them into a ringtone. Yep. And uh it took me a long 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 time to get it done, but for a short while in my life uh, back when anyone at all had their ringtones on, I don't know what mine sounds like. It's literally never on. Mine is the Back to the Future. Oh, nice. I, yeah, yeah. I, I, mine is always off. I never have it on, so I don't know. But for a couple, maybe like six months, you would call me and it would hit off with, I love that pussy. Hell yeah. I love that pussy dripping <laughs> down to the flow. <laughs> I got it. Nice. Yeah. It's the, that that song is the perfect parody because that's a good song. 
and it would totally play on the radio and the lyrics would be no different and we would all fucking party to it because it it's kicks a ass. very it's a very jarring but hilarious opening to the movie yeah drinking up the booty sweat and busting the nut yeah busting up bars and booty sweat which is just so gross the idea of booty sweat as a beverage but yeah. it is also that perfect level of gross that like i could see it being part of like a soldier boy marketing package soldier boy's booty juice you know like <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of rappers that, that I don't even know the names of that would definitely jump on this train for sure. Oh yeah, little little drinky. Yeah, he loves tying energy. That's his whole thing is tying energy drinks into his rap persona. Little drinky, doing the do. I think D- one time DJ do the do. Me, you asked me to make you a text tone of the detective from Dexter season one saying "surprise, motherfucker!" Surprise, motherfucker! <laughs> it would get me every time too. I'd be like, yeah. "Oh shit! Oh, and it's just my phone." I thought it was, uh, I thought it was, uh, what was his name? I don't remember. Oh, it's going to kill Dexter, it. I tried to block out of my mind after they ended it, because what a terrible way to end the show. He would just go, I'm on to you, Morgan. Yeah. Dokes, Dokes, Sergeant Dokes. Dokes. Yeah. Sergeant Dokes. Um, uh, another uh, great performance I want to shout out from Tropic Thunder is Steve Coogan as the director. Oh, yeah. Because it's legitimately heartbreaking when he explodes because I know the feeling of pride and damaged, like damaged pride and damaged ego that he's reclaiming in that moment. I know that that probably feels so triumphant in such a petty way. And then he looks down, recognizes that he stepped on a mine, knows he's going to die and then explodes into a million He's like, oh no, and then he's gone. (laughs) And like, that is such a heartbreaking moment. He was about to win and then he lost and what really sucks is that the movie that came out of it ultimately did get all the accolades he was seeking. Yep. Um, and yeah, I think him and Danny McBride just kind of, and Tom Cruise obviously just steal the show for me. Yeah. McConaughey is good, but only to like feed Tom Cruise his his insanity, really. Yeah. He's um, his yes man. Yeah, exactly. But he's uh, also a damn good agent and he's not afraid of Les Grossman. Yeah. He went straight and, up to him and demanded the digital recording device. And he saved the gang at the end with the TiVo. Yeah. Yeah. He got him the TiVo. He yeah. saved his life with the TiVo. And then on his flight home, he was he was he was on a G5 headed home, but he was there with his shitty son that he hates. Yeah. Which I had forgotten about. Now, this was a movie that back when I saw it, the first time I saw it in the theater, I remember being so excited. It looked so good. And this was like the big summer of comedies. As evidenced by when I opened my DVD of uh, Tropic Thunder, I had the receipt still in it from when I bought it at Best Buy many years ago. And on the same day, I bought Pineapple Express and Step Brothers. So they were all like these comedies of that time. And uh, I was yeah. so excited for Tropic Thunder, and I was admittedly quite let down by it when I saw it in the theater. I thought it was funny, but I was like, this isn't, like, great. And uh, it was only when I saw the director's cut at home that it became markedly better, and then I grew to appreciate the movie. But I, I was not a big fan of this the first time I saw it, and now I, I like I think it's one of the greats in my book. Like, this is one we're going to be talking about forever. We're talking about it 15 years later, at least. 15 years later. And that's the, but I think that some of the uh, blue material that exists in it, or at least objectionable material that exists in it, is part of why it is going to be indelible. Yeah. You know, like I think, like, you know, when people go, oh, you couldn't make Blazing Saddles anymore. You could. Uh, they sort of did. It was called Hateful Eight, and people liked it. But, like, you know, you could, 
you could that's not the most accurate thing but you know um but like you know part of why blazing saddles is enduring is maybe because you couldn't make it you could but you know maybe it's because yeah. it has objectionable material and to me that's where i think comedy needs to exist you know not all of it but like there needs to be an edge of comedy that's always right there because that's the shit that you know we may not like the way that tropic thunder looks but i do think it inspires the same questions that that it that were intended and i would agree with that yeah you know what i mean like the flavor might yeah. be different the flavor might be sour for some but like the fact of the matter is we know that what it's bringing up are like sort of evergreen ideas and issues that deserve rehashing. And to me, this is just another vessel through which that can happen. Yeah. Like comedy has got to be that. I don't want this to just be me talking you into the movie and talking you out of. Oh, you mean you haven't, but I would agree. But at the same time, (laughs) I'm so happy that I'm. (laughs) What you said, but I, like I said, I just don't, I don't know. Part of it still, still made me feel kind of odd to watch, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's wild how much changes over 15 years, yeah. you know, like even them using the R word like that's, you know, I look back on it now and go, oh, that probably made me sound like an idiot. But it was that's not a word, word today. That's yeah. not a word that I didn't use plenty. Again, I never yeah. said it to anybody who was actually disabled. Um, but uh, it, it it's even now I see that and I go, oh, watching it um and that's a change that that we witnessed happen you know like that that was like a a thing that fell out of favor in real time and so it's it's fascinating that just in 15 years that changed uh you know and not a judgment call it's just interesting that you know in 15 years that shifted yeah yeah big time too because even you brought we brought up always sunny and like they removed episodes because they had d and brown face yeah so there are and i'm surprised that I mean, one of the episode titles still has the R word in the title. Yeah, true. And they still have the gang turns black, which I think is one of the best. Oh, that that's so funny. That's one of the best written episodes they have. Frank just desperately wants to say the N word, and it's, no one. And it's so it's so funny because it makes so much sense for his character. Yeah, he's like I finally have an excuse to use the word I've definitely said before as a white person. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, but see, and that that to me is why I say like you could make Tropic Thunder today because that episode came out sometime in the last three years, right? Yeah, Maybe four. Yeah. So it's like you could totally make Tropic Thunder. But they're today. not like actually doing blackface in it. They they hired yeah. different actors to play themselves, and they did the the, uh, the quantum leap treatment with it, where every yeah. time you look at your reflection. But my my point being, like they're exploring the same exact material that is being explored by uh, Brandon Jackson and Robert Downey Jr. in their scenes yeah. together. You know, it's the same exact goal being attempted to be spoken about through humor. And so, you know, I think that that you, you totally could make Tropic Thunder today. People might get upset, but like, Sunny is proof. It South probably Park wouldn't be proof. a wide release. I mean, I guess it would not be a wide release. It would probably be an HBO Max straight to straight straight yeah. to streaming. Most things are now. Yeah. Uh, History of the World Part 2 just dropped. Yeah, In, fo- in four parts, I believe. No, I didn't see it, but like I've seen uh, clips from it, and they all made me laugh. And uh, I, I I, mean, Mel Brooks just, you know, you can always trust that if you press play on something he's associated with, you're at least going to have a good time. Yeah, actually, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Blazing Saddles because uh, I moved. I have a similar cameo in my cameo list if you want to start that procedure yeah is there anything uh procedure you're so excited is there anything else that you want to say about tropic thunder before we move on from it 
No, I'm good. Fair enough. I will just say this, uh, no, regardless of where you land on it, if you're listening to this right now and you haven't seen it in a while or haven't seen it yet, I think you should definitely go watch it. And I think that if you do watch it, you should probably watch the director's cut because it's it's funnier. It's more complete. Yeah, I, I mean, it is. I did. I did laugh. But most of it, like I said, most of it was like, oh, my God, I can't believe they just did that. Like, but like, yeah. not, not always in a terrible way either. I'll say that. And one last thing I want to say is uh, most great comedies have one gross-out gag in them. A gag that's meant to be physically revolting, and they drink cum out of donuts, dog cum out of donuts, and a Van Wilder. Cannolis. Cannolis, yeah, yeah. There's always that gag. Uh, None of those have ever grossed me out so much as Tug Speedman being made to play Simple Jack for the... the, uh, I don't even know what country this was, the Vietnamese. And um, the old man is made to give him his dentures to wear as his buck teeth. And uh, that physically repulses me worse than than any gross out gag I think I've ever seen. That's real gross. And you know what? Kudos. I did like, this is kind of a gross thing, but not really. But when Jack Black is searching his tiny underwear for his gun for like <laughs> a, a, com- a comically long time, <laughs> he's so he is so fucking unhinged in this movie. I, it's like I said, the, some of the best physical comedy we've seen from Jack Black, and he's he, oh, he yeah. lives in the physical comedy house. Yeah, he's the most he's the closest I think humanity has ever come to producing a literal cartoon. Yeah. But he's also another one. Great actor. I've seen him do drama and he crushes it. And I've seen him play metal on an acoustic guitar at the Electric Factory. And it was awesome. Nice. It is what it is. Um, Yeah, I I guess that's enough for Tropic Thunder. That was fun. Good conversation. I loved every second of it. I I loved it. So when we yawned in the middle of our podcast. That might have been my favorite part. It was very relaxing. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's do our list. So we decided to count down our five favorite odd cameos from celebrities and um, in honor of the uh, Tom Cruise cameo as Les Grossman, which is probably number one, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the ultimate like, holy shit, you know. Um, But uh, yeah, do you want to start? You want me to start? I don't care. You can start. I started last time, I think. All right. So my number five is Bob Saget. And half baked. Oh yeah, as the guy at the uh, at the yeah. uh, recovery <laughs> meeting. And when Chappelle admits that he's in recovery for weed, everyone immediately dismisses his concerns. And uh, Bob Saget reminds him that he used to suck dick for coke. Yeah, and I love the guy. He's like, "Boo that!" Classic line. Classic, Classic line. line. And Bob Saget once again using like his image, uh, you know, to to his advantage by saying something fucked up. But it was a great gag in the moment. So Bob Saget and Half Baked is my number five. Um, I'm gonna, can I do an honorable mention first because it didn't make the list, but yeah, yeah. Um, Patrick Stewart in Multiverse of Madness. Oh yeah, because this was already also spoiled for me because the Marvel fans are relentless and they want to oh, do yeah. everything for themselves. It's so funny and, they don't want spoilers, but they want to find spoilers. Yeah, it also wasn't like the best appearance, but like just having him in his uh, little like hover wheelchair pull up, it was right. Like, and like I was like, fuck yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, my number five, his number five is uh, Neil Patrick Harris and Harold and Kumar. Nice. Yeah, he would be my honorable mention. I have him on the, on my extras list, but he didn't make the cut. 
Um, but yeah, that I think him just being just so unlike the real Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah, he just wants to go to strip clubs and put his face into every female butt cheek there is and do cocaine off everything. Yeah, that to me is just like, and he can't die. And he, he keeps can't die. Yeah, he can't and die. Wherever these two are in their hijinks, he finds a way to find them, and that's just it's a it's a hilarious bit. I think. I I believe it was either the I guess the what's the Christmas movie the third one or was there Yeah, there's there's three. The last one was Christmas three, movie. Yeah. yeah. In that one, he shows up and his husband plays a role, oh, and right. uh, yeah, his him and his husband appear in it together, and uh, I forget how the joke is set up, but they show up together and they're like acting like husbands, and uh. And uh, I think uh, Kumar is just like, I, I you, what do you, what are you gay now? And him and his husband are like, no, 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 no. We just pretend to be gay because that's the best way to get pussy. And like both, <laughs> both of them are, and like even the husband is also like, yo, yeah, we're gonna get fucking wrecked tonight. Like he has like that attitude. Oh my god, it's really funny. Like it, it, it it's very, very well done. That's funny. I don't remember I, that movie very much, but yeah, go ahead. What's your number I mean, four? That's the that's the thing about those movies. They're yeah. designed for that. Uh, my number four is when the director of Taxi Driver, Martin Scorsese, shows up in Taxi Driver. Oh, yeah. As uh, the passenger who desperately wants to go in the house and shoot the his wife and the man that she's uh, fucking on the side. And he says some awful things and it's a scary moment. And it's one of those things that apparently the actor that was supposed to be there, I forget who it was, like couldn't make it. And I'm pretty sure it was De Niro was like, Marty, you can do it. And Marty's like, I don't know. He's like, come on. And then it's just like a truly effective, terrifying scene. So, and it's Martin Scorsese. He was just kind of like this kind of guy. So yeah. it's, it's wild to see him like that. It's, it's fucking dark, but it's fantastic. I got to rewatch that because uh, the only time I saw it, I did not realize that was Martin Scorsese. Yeah, that's him. Uh, my number four is mostly for nostalgic purposes because I watched this movie a lot as a kid. But um, Sean Connery in Robin Hood, dude, I've never seen it, dude. Oh, well, this is a spoiler. That's I mean, fine. That's statue is up. This movie came out in like '94, so I'm good. I was gonna watch it tonight, dude. Ah. Um. Uh. But the King of England shows up at the end to wed. Uh. Uh, Robin Hood played by Kevin Co- played perfectly by Kevin Costner by the way yeah yeah and made Marion and uh, he they're like does anybody object to this this these numbskulls he's like I object and you turn around and it's fucking Sean Connery playing the King of England for like 15 seconds I love that and... he's just like it's me I'm the King of England yeah, it's a exactly. great time to be on the throne of England it's yeah. literally just a cameo for cameo's sake of like oh fuck Sean Connery like at the very like surprise yeah. Of course, he's um, the king of England. Yeah, that guy's the king of England. <laughs> but uh, I thought, like, because I watched the movie so many times, I was like, "There he is! There's my boy!" <laughs> nice. I yeah, I haven't seen it. I really should. I know a lot of people love it, but it's one that sort of just missed me. Alan Rickman plays a great sheriff of Nottingham. Ooh, that sells me more than anything else. Yeah, I miss him, man. He was the best. Christian Slater plays um, Little John's brother. I forget who. Uh, Will Will something. Who plays Little John? Uh, some guy you never see again. Okay, fair enough. Nick Leo Offerman. John. Nick Offerman's dad. <laughs> uh, Rick Offerman. Rick Offerman, yeah. <laughs> All right, my number three is another dearly departed, like Alan Rickman. It was uh, John Candy as the leader of the Kenosha Kickers in Home Alone. Oh, yeah. I for- Oh, shit, that's a good one, dude. Yeah, he helps... Uh, uh, 
Mrs. McAllister get home to Kevin by yeah, offering her a ride. Yeah, it sounds like no the flight. worst the worst relatable story ever but but he's like very nice and very kind and giving yeah. and she listens to polka but i love that the angle he plays is you know i'm a little bit of a celebrity myself you know like he has that sort of attitude yeah. he's like you know the kenosha kickers and he has like a whole list of just like billy blob and the super dupes you know like, <laughs> just i don't know what they are but they all sound like real stuff and then like when she's like uh yeah and he's just like ah, all right well anyway we're gonna like he shot his shot at trying to get recognized because he seems to just be a man seeking joy and that's what I love about John Candy generally is he seemed like a very warm, no matter what he was playing, there was there was a warmth under that. And I think it first registered with me when I was a kid and I watched Home Alone. And like I knew who John Candy was. So when he popped up at Home Alone, I was like, no way. I love that guy. Yeah. He's that it's guy like, from Camp Candy. But as I get older, like, the story he tells is not a helpful story at all. He's like, yeah, you know, my kid was fucked up for a couple of years, but, you know, he got better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so the text, the text I just sent you is the is guy the plays, little John, little John. Yeah, he looks just like he could be Nick Offerman's dad. He really does. Yeah, I'm trying Nick to think Brimble. if I recognize him. For, oh, it's so funny. His he was in a Knight's Tale. Yeah, he was in Robin Hood. For, yeah, he's into that kind of stuff. Although he was in Gone Fishing with Danny Glover and Joe Pesci, a movie that I I'm sure I watched on video as a kid. Uh, what's your number three? Um, Bruce Willis, but in two different movies. Do you want to Wait, guess what they are? Loaded Weapon One. No, no. Okay. Um, it is a sequel. So split. Well, no, no, they're, they're both sequels. Split. Yeah, that's one of them. Yeah, that was insane. I'll never forget that. Yeah, um, and uh, Ocean's Twelve. Oh yeah, we've yeah, already yeah. we've talked about Ocean's Twelve though, so I'll I'll let that one die. But um, the one like you said when he showed up at the at the post credits of Split, and it was a secret sequel all along. I was like, "Fuck, Shyamalan's back, baby!" Yeah, my whole theater had a meltdown. Yeah, and on the way out, I got to see a a guy explaining to his date what Unbreakable is, so that yeah. she could be in on it because I guess she hadn't seen it. I had to do that as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Garden number two. Have, wait, have you seen Loaded Weapon 1? No. It's like a parody of Lethal Weapon. And midway through yeah, the movie, I know what it is, yeah. they do they do a, a parody of the scene where uh, Riggs's beach house gets shot up from helicopter. And it's that same scene. And then out of the wreckage, a white flag pops up and Bruce Willis stands up. And he's just like, what are you doing? And they're like, is this, <laughs> is this 323 Ocean Drive? And he's like, No! <laughs> it's 322 ocean drive <laughs> they're like oh sorry like, yeah no problem that's good that's no fucking problem. good it's so funny he's just in that scene r.i.p his career but r.i.p but he's the man yeah. legendary all right my number two is charlton heston in wayne's world 2 I've never seen Wayne's World 2. So in Wayne's World 2, Wayne is like looking for someone or something. I forget. And he and he runs it's he runs into a uh, like a mechanics uh, uh, place and he's like, "Have you seen blah blah blah?" And the mechanic turns around. He's like, "Well, you know, I, I blah blah blah." And Mike Myers stops and he turns towards the camera and goes, "Is this the best that we can do?" And then they shuffle that actor out and put in Charlton Heston. And they restart <laughs> the scene and he's like, "Hey, where's this one?" And Charlton Heston gives like this long speech, like, ah, yes, it was back on Bub, but that was a long time ago. And he like does this whole like (laughs) this big speech, but the whole time he's doing it, Wayne is just like, 
Nice. Yeah, it's fantastic. And, you know, say what you will about Charlton Heston, but that man could monologue, and they use it for comedy here. It's fit. It's so funny. That sounds really funny. Yeah, that movie's great, man. You would love it. Um, my number two is Bill Murray in Zombieland. I figured that um, would be here, so I didn't put it specifically just for the line. Do you, do you have any regrets? Well, maybe Garfield, which I think is like I love. <laughs> My favorite thing is when celebrities like just like call out shitty projects that they've done. Like when Bat, when I when George Clooney talks about how he just hated Batman and hates yeah, the fact yeah. that he did it. Like I I love the gossip as far as that goes. So when you make it canon in another movie, it's just even better for me. Yeah, and he and that's a perfect Bill Murray delivery line. Yeah, I I remember being so excited for Zombieland, and I heard that there was a cameo, but I didn't know who, and so we were all trying to be quiet. And I was hanging out at the bar with just like a group of people I don't normally hang out with. And like, oh, what are you up to this weekend? I was like, oh, I'm seeing Zombieland. And the one guy's like, yo, you know Bill Murray's in that, right? I was like, you son what of a bitch. What the fuck, man? You don't get it. I remember I saw, real quick story, I remember I saw yeah. the 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 Force Awakens before any of my coworkers. But while we were on, like we were, we were doing happy hour, I went to go see the movie that I met them back out at happy hour. And it was wasted. And I see one of my um, my managers outside smoking a cigarette as I approach the bar. And she's like, she yells down the alley, did Han Solo die? And I look at the bouncer next to her and the bouncer's just like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah, I was like, I'm sorry, man. It's like, it's all right. He's like, I I literally got tickets to tomorrow's matinee to try to avoid this exact situation. (laughs) It happens sometimes. Yeah. It's just the nature of it. But, you know, still fun. My number one one is in Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, the excellent Sam Rockwell movie uh, directed by uh, one George Clooney. And so uh, he played a. Rockwell plays Chuck Barris, the host of many game shows back in the day, the gong show, et cetera. And at one point he had created the dating game, bachelor number one, bachelor number two, bachelor number three. And in this scene, they do a a segment from the dating game and they say bachelor number one and bachelor number one is played by Matt Damon and bachelor Uh. number two is played by Brad Pitt. And Bachelor number three is just some fucking guy. And so (laughs) then like the girl's like, um, I pick Bachelor number three. Oh, and it's, God. Like, it's just a great gag made possible by George Clooney's Ocean's connections to Brad Pitt yeah. and Matt Damon. It's just, it's well delivered. It's very funny. And they're both, I I want to say, maybe completely silent the whole time. They just smirk. Matt Damon in the Thor franchise almost made my list, but Love and Thunder was so bad and they doubled down on that shtick that it ruined it for me. Had to go. Uh, my number one is, and this is again one of the nostalgic things because this is like the first time that um, another movie was referenced in a different movie, and I was like, "Oh, I get this!" Like I was like maybe like a nine or ten years old. I was like, "I understand this reference, like Captain nice. America." I remember and those moments. Yeah. So it is Danny Glover in Maverick. Oh, I've and I've never actually seen Maverick, but so I, you know what the movie is, it. right? Yeah. Yeah. So Mel Gibson plays like a gambler who's yeah, like, you know, doing like riverboat yeah. tours and shit. And he gets caught up in the middle of this bank robbery. And as the bank robbers are leaving the building, they like almost run him over. And Danny Glover turns around, lowers his bandana, and they both make eye contact for like the like they oh like they recognize each yeah, other. Yeah. And Danny Glover pulls his bandana back up. And as he turns around to 
right away he says i'm getting too old for this shit i knew it i knew yeah. it that's beautiful i might watch maverick tonight literally dude it's, always fun. To see it. it's Everyone, a really fun movie it's richard donner yeah and uh, actually... it's got um jodie foster and into it not burt reynolds james garner well he's the original maverick from the tv yeah, show yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. um that reminds me, in that movie Loaded Weapon 1, which is a parody of Lethal Weapons, the Riggs and Murtaugh are played by Emilio Estevez and Sam Jackson. Yeah. And at one point, they run into Charlie Sheen for some reason. He just plays a parking attendant in one scene. And uh, the scene ends, and Sam Jackson looks at Emilio. He's like, don't you think that's a little weird? He's like, what? He's like, you know, he's doing like uh, hot shots. You're doing this kind of thing. Yeah, it's like crazy, and Amelia's just like, just drop it, drop it, don't bring it up, don't like, the, leave, the leave, leave it alone. Family loves that shit. It was so funny. I forgot about that, but Loaded Weapon One's fun. In Hot Shots Part Two, uh, I believe it's Part Two. Mm. Um, but Charlie Sheen is like having an inner monologue while he's writing in a journal, and then he hears another voiceover that is Martin Sheen coming from an opposing boat yes. as they pass each other. <laughs> And then as they as they pass it, they both yell, I loved you in Wall Street. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. And Hot Shots is great. Yeah. All right. Well, we're running out of time here, so I think we should wrap it up. Uh, Tropic Thunder, odd cameos, lots of fun. But um, make sure you guys uh, please like, subscribe, comment, leave us a review. And uh, let us know what you want us to cover because we will cover it. Does not matter what it is, and you can do all of that at Movie Movie Cast on Twitter, Instagram, all that fun stuff. Uh, follow us wherever you get your podcasts, and uh, even write an email to uh, Movie Movie Cast at gmail.com. Let us know what you want us to talk about, and you can find everything I do at scullyvision.com. You can also follow us in the hell. By following Hot Property at Hot Property <laughs> on all things. So uh, join us in hell. <laughs> join us in hell. Um, follow my dog at BB underscore the Corgi, I guess. Um, I haven't updated her fucking shit in forever, but just follow it anyway. Yeah, follow it. Maybe um, it'll get an update. But yeah, that's all I got. Right on. Well, that's been Movie Movie. Bye. Bye. <laughs>